Hi, I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace, and with me today is Features Editor Bella Richards, and we have a special guest, Carissa Khan, President of the Royal Aeronautical Society 2023-2024, we'll be talking to later. Welcome, Bella and Chris. Carissa. Thank you. Uh, so, welcome to a special edition of Aerospace NOTAM, a podcast coming to you from live from the Dubai Air Show. I think you can probably hear all the, the activity <laughs> behind us. We've had a full-on crazy week at the Air Show, which is now coming to a close. Uh, commercial orders are, are kind of winding up. Uh, so, we're now here to wrap up with uh, some, uh, some thoughts on, on, on some of the, uh, the exciting news that's been happening this week. Uh, and what's been going on. So uh, first off, Bella, this is your first Dubai and your second ever big air show. What are your impressions? Yeah, it is my first Dubai. It's been really fun. It's been pretty busy. I mean, I only have Farnborough to compare to. Um, and that air show I feel like is much bigger. But in saying that, there's been just as much news at Dubai. Um, and it's been really fun. There's uh, a lot of different companies, obviously, because it's based in the UAE, so a lot of different companies that I hadn't heard of before or got to check out. Um, and I got more chances to watch the flying display, which obviously we'll talk about later. But yeah, that was really nice to be able to watch that. Um, and yeah, it's been really good, though. Cool. Okay. And what's, what's, what's been the, uh, the biggest highlight of the week so far? Um, Carissa, you've been here. What, what's your highlight? My biggest highlight was seeing all of the orders coming in. Um, Emirates uh, had, on uh, the first day, um, a massive order for, was it 90 Boeing yeah. 777s. That's incredible. And they continue to dominate the sector with wide body aircraft. So seeing that was incredible. And also uh, the, the investment for the new engineering uh, facility that's yeah. going to be opened here. One billion, one billion dollars. Yeah. It's amazing. I had the opportunity to tour the Emirates headquarters um, on Monday. So getting a first up view of how things happen, it is incredible. Wow. I wasn't allowed to take any photos, but I wanted to take photos. <laughs> it was just like being in a movie to see right. how things run smoothly. Um, meeting the person who has the overview of the floor that looks after everything. And then in the background, the massive screen with all of the flights in real time being shown on the screen. Wow. I also had an opportunity to tour the crisis response uh, room and understand the procedures and the processes they have in place when there's a crisis and how they deal with that. It was eye-opening. So for me, it was really incredible to see Emirates like on the ground at their facility to understand and see the investment in their new training facility and then see all of the orders coming in. It was just like full circle seeing it all yeah. come yeah. together. Place. Really awesome. but, uh, Bella, what about your highlights? Oh. Apart, from, apart from the whole show. Carissa kind of stole mine. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 that's, that's fine. Honestly, yeah, the orders were really exciting and I, and I think seeing past air shows or riding past air shows, and we'll talk about it a bit later, but seeing Airbus kind of previously dominate the market for a few years and then Boeing kind of sweep the floor yes. this time and, and really <laughs> take over. Um, in some way it was it was it was nice to see a bit of a change and also just uh you know just seeing boeing actually get really big orders um was really cool and then 
honestly, I think it was uh, really cool seeing a lot of the space things and um, just seeing the pavilion. I think this is the first time they've had a bigger space pavilion. Um, that was really nice to just see more things happening with space and more interest yeah. in space. It's really evident um, here that they care about it a lot. Yeah, okay. the, the government here has a huge ambition, bold ambition to be leading in this region for space. I mean, yeah. they've just sent their first astronaut from the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's really good to see what they're doing in space and also how that's connected with the Royal Aeronautical Society. We recently had a roundtable where we introduced the UAE Space Agency to the um, UK Space Agency. Oh, wow. So that right. was facilitated through us. So it, it goes to show the central role that the society continues to play all around the world and particularly here in the Middle East. Yeah. Fantastic. Right, so do you want to join in on my, my highlight? Yes, we I'm do. Sorry. Right. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. F-15 QA display, so that, that was uh, another Boeing product, uh, but yeah, so that's the uh, the latest uh, Eagle, it's called Flybo Wire, yeah. it's, uh, it's 51 years old, the original design, and uh, oh, amazing display, um, high alpha moves, and um, yeah, re really impressive, it's yeah. super maneuverability. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, so tail slides and stuff like that, yeah. so that, that was re really cool in the flying display. Um, anything else from the, from, from the flying display, or static? I, okay, I, as I said, I had been able to see a bit more of the flying display, and yesterday, I don't want to butcher the name, but the Italian aerobatics team, the Tricolore, oh, there you go, <laughs> I'm going to leave that with you, I'm not even going to say that, but they were so cool, and honestly, the commentator was particularly enthusiastic, and he was so excited, and just talking all about it, and yeah, they were just super impressive, and honestly, any flying display team is super impressive but it was really cool seeing one that i'd never seen before um yeah that was probably my yeah biggest highlight in terms of flying uh, displays fantastic all right so let's have a look at the commercial uh, side of things so we've already self said the boeing's had a really good show uh they re reckon about 300 orders do we do we think uh with all, when all the lois uh, auctions yeah. uh, and you, you take into things like that uh, and then Airbus is about... Well, Airbus an hour ago was at 51, I think, or something like that, 51. And then Emirates just last minute placed an order for 15 A350-900s. So but now okay. they're at about 85, including, as Tim said, agreements, MOUs, things like that. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely been Boeing's weeks this, this week. But uh, I mean, what's also been interesting, I think from my point of view, is uh, some of the things that were missing. So. Uh, Riyadh Air was supposed to be placing a big uh, narrow-body order. Uh, that was, that was going to hotly rumoured. Uh, that yeah. didn't happen. And we also had Turkish Airlines, which was going to, going to, you know, kind of come down. Apparently, going to uh, buy loads of uh, Airbus aircraft. And would have bumped up Airbus yeah, in the race. Yeah, and, and both of those are, are kind of no shows. Uh, so uh, that, that was kind of, uh, you know, sort of a little bit of a disappointment. Um, other thing that struck me here, and I don't know you guys as well, but um, the presence of Riyadh Air, Saudi Air here. Uh, flyer deal so yes. there's a real sort of like uh, Saudi UAE rivalry yeah. kind of brewing in commercial uh, commercial aviation that is uh, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch I love the international competitiveness yeah. Yeah. this is what drives innovation yeah this Airbus Boeing finally how, how long has it been since you've seen that competition yeah I agree with Airbus and Boeing it's been a few years it's just gone quite kind of quiet and dull and now we're just like fired up and yeah. you know we're competing again and I love to see that yeah, yeah. yeah.
So, I mean, the, the good question is, is can the region support two uh, big, uh, you know, mega airport hubs, mega air transport hubs? Uh, is there enough, you know, pieces of the cake to go around? I was talking with the Etihad CEO on, uh, on, on the Dreamliner earlier this week, and he thought, yeah, there's enough, you know, everybody's, the market is growing so, 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 so fast, uh, you know, there's room enough for everybody. And geographically, where we are, it's a stop point for yeah. other transit. So it's a it's a good location for a transit Perfect. hub. So and I think with passenger numbers it, coming back to um, pre twenty nineteen levels and continuing to grow, and forecasted to continue growing, I think we can. So, it, I mean, the other, the other story, obviously, we've already mentioned is, is Emirates, one, nearly one billion uh, new MRO centre. I mean, that's a real, uh, at the moment, there's a real capacity crunch on the maintenance side of things. Uh, people are crying out for, for uh, you know, MRO shops. So, so that's going to add to it. That's going to support their future green, uh, growth plans. Um, and one, one story, actually, that I thought was particularly interesting uh, this show was the Ethiopian um, Order oh yeah, yeah. Max jets. Yeah. As soon as I saw the name Ethiopian at the press conference, I was like, "Ooh, I wonder if they're going to be ordering more Max jets." And it, it was really good because the um, CEO wasn't shy about, you know, obviously the past, um, you know, fatal crash that happened in 2019. Um, and a, a journalist asked, you know, "Oh, do you have confidence in the Max now?" And he said some really uh, good quotes about how, you know, that he 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 um, honored the fact that, you know. It, it was a really hard time back then and you know it was really sad for the victims and they'll forever um, be devastated for them but they felt that the max still still fits into their strategy and um, you know they he said he doesn't see it as a safety concern anymore which I thought was really interesting for a CEO to be that kind of liberal with what he was saying yeah um, but you know it's it's very positive and a vote of confidence for Boeing okay so uh, in I mean, on the other side of the fence now, we're looking at military news. So, unfortunately, there's two ongoing uh, conflicts going on at the moment. Uh, so, military stuff is, is quite high on the agenda. A lot of uh, interest in fighters, missiles, and of course, drones. Uh, uh, Edge over there has got a massive big uh, uh, display of uh, drones, including a, a converted Polish VLJ uh, turned into a drones. Um, one thing that um, seems popular here, also a, d a debut, is uh, India's Tejas versus Pakistan's JF-17 on static. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of lit up the Twitter sphere, the X sphere. And Tejas, particularly with because it's got it's going to be integrated with locally built uh, precision weapons. Uh, meanwhile, the the, the JF-17 is Block Three version, uh, so the latest version of the, of the JF. Anything there on on defence that you've spotted? Well, it's interesting seeing Russia. Yes, and, you know, yes, the yeah. Fifty-two. You weren't expecting that at all. You were shocked that they would be. I was doubtful. You. Yeah, you were. As soon as I wrote it, you were like, "Are you sure they're going to be there?" And then here they were on the first day. Of the yeah, game. yeah. That was, it was quite interesting. Even, um, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But Russia, even just Roscosmos being here with uh, the space agency, it's quite an interesting presence that they've made. Yeah, but what, what was missing there was their um, uh, their SU-75 Checkmate uh, fighter. So uh, two years ago, uh, they had a big uh, a launch of the SU-75. It was a single-engined, um, affordable stealth fighter. I think they were trying to get people's interest in the Middle East, in this in this region. Uh, nowhere to be seen this year. So yeah. whether that's completely died a death now, or whether 
Uh, I think it's going to be going to be really going to be funding for it. Um, the other thing here was was also uh, South Korea is here with two helicopters. Yeah. It's the first time they've been in an international air, air show outside oh. South Korea. Uh, okay. So uh, um, that was good. And uh, also uh, Eurofighter. So Eurofighter here, three uh, Typhoons on static outside the Eurofighter chalet, and uh, that's the strongest support they've seen, you know, in, in a, yes. from from their customers. Um, however. Um, what they have there in, the, in, in nearby is that the Saudi sales are still in limbo there in, in that um, uh, they're, they're being blocked by Germany uh, and so the Saudis are now kind of thinking about shopping elsewhere. Uh, they put in a, 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 a request for information to uh, Dassault for Rafales. So yeah, so there's a bit of a ticking clock going on there is to get, is this going to be unblocked? Uh, you know, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was actually going there and personally lobbying, um, uh, you know, Germany to, to kind of, can you, can you just approve this deal? So uh, watch this space, as they say. <laughs> Any other sort of thoughts on the defence side of things that people spotted? Well, Israel. Yes. They were supposed to be here, they have a yeah. massive stand. Um, but it's a it's an un, unmanned stand, unpiloted un un yeah, <laughs> un stand, 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 yeah, yeah. for I mean, for obvious reasons. Expected, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It was it was quite sad seeing it empty, but it makes total sense. Yeah, but I think also that the fact that they are here um, anyway shows that there is a, a long-term uh, sort of strategic partnership, partnership there, mm -hmm. and you know, kind of despite the current he sort of headlines and tensions, uh, you know, people are still interested in these long-term relationships, long-term uh, uh, kind of normalization uh, going on. So, uh, yeah, space flight. Yeah. That's your, yeah. That's your, your, your oh, area. Sphere. Yeah. Sphere. What, are we, what are we seeing here? There was yeah. a launch on display. Yes, there was. Um, I thought that was so interesting. So, InnoSpace, they're a South Korean small sat um, launch company and uh, you know they really knew, but they actually had their real rocket on display, the Hambit TLV, um, and that's going to be kind of it's not their prototype, but their kind of first test launcher. And they've already signed um, with three different uh, launch uh, pads. Uh, I think in Australia, in Brazil, and then the new Norway one, the really oh, beautiful right, wow. one that so, I would love to. Do. So are they, you reckon they're looking for a Middle East or a Gulf Lord site? Well, I wonder. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, I guess we'll, I don't know if there's much uh, to be, you know, to launch here. But yeah, they they have um, three types of uh, rockets that they're developing, and they're hopefully going to be sending up up to I think 500 kilos into sun synchronous orbit, um, which is really cool to see South Korea uh, doing you know stuff in the space sphere. Um, and then as I mentioned, Roscosmos was here, which you know I was quite shocked by. Um, but they have a lot on display. They have their, their orbital station, yeah. like a little model. Um, they have their Angara rocket um, on display, which is interesting because they haven't launched much of that for a long time. But yeah, they, it was it was interesting seeing them here. Cool. Uh, and the other thing that they're talking of launches, so I got to talk to uh, Space Engine Systems. Uh, that's yeah. a Canadian company, and they are looking to launch from Cornwall. Yeah, oh, uh, and that is a, uh, a really uh, exciting, innovative uh, plan. It's a space plane. Uh, it uses uh, was it uh, turbo ramjets, I think, uh, okay. and uh, so it's kind of an air-breathing rocket, a rocket for a final stage. It's piloted, uh, and and then there's a, a kind of like a kick sat sort of stage, final stage to put a like a, a payload into low Earth orbit, mm -hmm. uh, and so really. 
really kind of um, yeah interesting reusable design and uh, you know the CEO there is is um, so as, as SpaceX is aiming for Mars he wants to get to the moon yeah so he wants to scale this thing up and have uh, basically a space plane that is large enough to um, you know boot a free person capsule in the yeah, direction of the moon it's a tough so um, tough operation to uh, do. Done, they've done ground testing on the engine and, yeah. and, and, and things like that and now they're being uh, you know they're now being uh, going to go over to, uh, to Spaceport Paul obviously Spaceport Paul hasn't got a launch uh, company there at the moment so actually now it's uh, started to recruit for engineers in the UK. I think that's fantastic because so much hard work and investment went into that space yeah, yeah. so just to see that being used is incredible and then you talk about um, the recruitment for engineers that does a lot for jobs in the UK and um, skills in the UK, skills development in the UK so that's that's fantastic. Do we know the timelines? I would have to check my notes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just thinking about that, it's quite a bold ambition. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they, they, the the government seems he, he was saying that he's he's never had such support from the government. That this is the UK government is very keen to get them over and get them to uh, you know kind of launch these from. Yeah. In so, terms of skills and in terms of you know exciting the next generation, having big bold ambitions like this just really goes a long way. There's so much to gain from it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And space planes are pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the other thing cool, so. I think, as I saw here actually, uh, another highlight around here was um, the Mars Rover Driving School. So. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. UEA Space Agency. They had a they had a Planet X and they had radio-controlled Mars rovers on on a on a train. You could drive around and. and uh, so cool. You I could want to do that. Yeah. yeah well. So here's here's a question. So we're at, uh, obviously it's a, an aviation show. It's an aerospace show. There is a we think space the space segment will get larger and larger, but space companies don't usually save up their orders like Airbus and Boeing do and they, they don't announce satellite companies and rocket launcher people they, they 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 do it all year round so do we think that there will be a, a kind of a shift in that that there, as you get more of these commercial private companies they will start to hey we're we're, we're now signing with SpaceX to put yeah. do you think there's going to be that sort of thing or do you think the public don't care I think the public do care, but it is a, it's different to aviation in the way that, you know, they can't, it's not like, oh, we're buying this many satellites from this company, you know, it's it's very it's very much more focused on we're partnering with this company to develop a satellite or whatever. So I, I hope that is the case, um, just because there is so much focus on space. So, so it makes sense to have those announcements and, you know, air shows are a perfect time to partner with other countries and, and you know, access to space is becoming so global and, and that is like you know the industry's biggest thing they talk about uh, they beat it to death talking about you know collaboration we need collaboration for people to actually access in fact you know the space so i i i think it makes sense that in the future there'd be more announcements more partnerships um, but i guess it will just be different uh, to aviation but i really do think I, I think there is interest and it's evident with you know at each air show having you know a specific pavilions for special, yeah, specific yeah, yeah. sections. So, yeah. It's going to get bigger and bigger, isn't it? I think it also gives an opportunity to spotlight um, the positive use cases yeah, for space. Exactly. Space does so much for our daily lives that people aren't aware of. And you have uh, publics that would come in to the air show um, on tomorrow, on Friday. You'll have, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to showcase that. Yeah. It's just not something that you can really get 
every day. Yeah, you yeah. come to an air show and you have um, that space to see that, I think that really helps with the public yeah. perception of space and all of the great things that we use space for every day that people aren't aware of. Actually, echoing that, at the Aerospace 2050 uh, conference yesterday, there was a panel um, with a bunch of space industry leaders and they were talking about how exactly what you said about showing the use cases of space and there needs to be more communication because you know there are risks associated with the space industry that a lot of investors and policymakers are a little yes. scared to dip their toes in and, and it makes sense you know the new space industry is new there's a lot more risk than maybe it, back, it was back in the day mm -hmm. um, but that's why communicating the, the need and benefits of the space industry um, is so important and I think having you know a big space pavilion is, is a, a good example of really communicating that and showing people that it's, it's not some distant thing where you know just governments launch rockets anymore it's, it can be anyone so yeah. Yeah. exactly and also space links so closely to advancements in aerospace and aviation when you think of communications navigation etc if we're going to continue to accelerate technologies in this space pun intended yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you, uh, there is a clear um, interdependency on space yeah. so I think spotlighting that yeah. as well would be useful. Yeah. So the other big, big theme here this week as well has been sustainability. Surprise, uh, surprise. <laughs> COP28, so the UAA is uh, hosting COP28, it's the year of sustainability yes. uh, and it is front and centre, every, every single stand you go to, something sustainable, uh, Riyadh Air or something, you know, they're going to be doing, you know, a, uh, Saudi real electric cars they're partnering yeah. with, and they, they're also sort of saying that they can they can start from scratch and build a kind of a a, a more, I suppose, a greener, friendlier, you know, greener uh, 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 sustainable airline. Uh, AirBP. I was talking to AirBP earlier this, this there about uh, what they're doing on sustainable aviation fuel, yeah. and they're preparing for the Jet Zero flight, uh, yeah. the first ever 100% SAT flight. Mm -hmm. Um, over the uh, over the Atlantic, yeah, uh, with Virgin Atlantic, uh, that's been really exciting. Um, interestingly, said one of the one of the biggest problems is not the technology uh, in certifying engines or, or, or that, but but the paperwork and the kind okay. of audit trail you have to go right. through because you're now doing two sets of invoices for yeah. your Jet A1 and your you know your SAF in your SAF lens. I think that many people haven't spoken about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. So the the you know the uh, the Jet Zero, the transatlantic flight, is all part of like kind of sort of de-risking, you know, and, and, and showing that it's possible and, and kind of uh, you know. So really exciting. And what, what what's your thoughts on sustainability of the show? Yeah, I mean, like most air shows now, or most announcements, is really focused on sustainability, which is really cool to see the air. Uh, industry really pick up those things and actually make it happen because um, you can talk about something so much and obviously that's important but you know turning it into action yeah is really great it's good to see that um, I think the most interesting to me was uh, again at the aerospace 2050 panel there was a panel with um, a few industry leaders and one of them being the CEO of Riyadh Air the new, the new airline mm -hmm. um, and he was kind of talking about it's almost half of its pressure and half of it is um, you know they kind of have this upper upper hand with being a new airline that they can kind of start a fresh start, sustainable yes. yeah. start yeah. operations in a sustainable way. Yeah, um, not retrofitting. Exactly. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, he said that's that's you know obviously why they've chosen the specific aircraft. Um, they've chosen it, and you know uh, he he mentioned a few things like how he wants to move into looking into hydrogen fuel cells, which mm -hmm. that was just something he said in passing, and I, I looked it up, and there's nothing 
official about it, so I'm actually curious, so I want to look into that. But it's, I think, yeah, it would be a lot of pressure starting a new airline and being like, okay, but that pressure's good, you know, that pressure yeah. from the industry. It's positive pressure. Right, exactly, absolutely. Um, and, and he said, you know, they have access to, you know, global expertise in Saudi Arabia. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really great to see all the companies talking about it and I guess a, a fresh perspective of a company that hasn't even officially really launched yeah. yet. Um, so yeah. Cool. So the other, another big theme here is advanced air mobility. Yeah. Uh, the region that they're, they're, they're powering ahead, and so we've seen um, some some interesting stuff here. Uh, Archer Midnight is on the uh, on the stand. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they're there. Uh, we also got Autoflight, also Autoflight Prosperity, which is a German Chinese um, uh, eVTOL. Uh, really interesting. I had a really interesting chat with the designer there, who's who's is from the automotive uh, world. Okay. Uh, uh, who did work for McLaren, uh, Ferrari, uh, about EV toll design? So yeah. nature inspired, you know, and making yeah, yeah. making it look cool. Yeah. Um, what else have we seen? You've seen the Spanish. Yeah, Spain's first, um, you know, EV toll company called uh, Chris Allion. I don't want to butcher that name, but it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris Allion Mobility. Um, they're really cool. I, they, they don't have a, you know, a big model yet. They had a small model of their EV toll. And I think what's really interesting about them is that they're not just doing an EV toll. They're also doing kind of the end-to-end -end solution of um, automated electric cars that kind of work in tandem. So, example, they were talking about how, you know, initially when they start operations, they'll focus more, like less on, you know, passenger uh, transport and more on uh, hospital, you know, mm -hmm. organs or, um, you know, just emergency kind of services. And they were saying, you know, I think what makes them different is that they have these cars. So when it lands, you know, the next the next step, you know, driving to the destination would be completely um, sustainable and electric. Um, and and they signed an they signed an agreement with a UAE based company, Voltrans. Um, and so they'll work together to also bring that in the UAE, which is really cool to see. Um, and yeah, I got to speak to them, and, and it's a really exciting company. You know, they're, they're really fresh, and they're, they're very aware they have pretty strong competitors. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. yes. But I think they have the upper edge in the, in the sense that they're the first Spanish um, company, and they've got their first kind of international partnership now, and, and they really believe that'll open them into you know, international investors, which is their main focus. They really need investors. Um, but yeah, it was really exciting to speak to them. That's really interesting. It echoes the, uh, the Uber model. <laughs> which is um, using True. advanced air mobility, uh, the Joby, which was a spin-off yes. of Uber, and making sure that you have that end-to-end -end seamless integration of multimodal transport. So yeah. you have that advanced air mobility uh, vehicle that's able to fly you from one, get you from point A to point B, but on both ends, from getting to point A, exactly. getting from point B, that's used. Um, you can use your app from Uber, you book your electric car by Uber, and you have that seamless end-to-end single ticketing yeah. and multimodal transport that is green. Oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a tip for future airport air, uh, air show organizers is uh, if you're putting on air taxi <laughs> in the service, in future in the service, uh, we don't want to be uh, zipped to your front door and then wait uh, a couple of hours in the security queue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was no, uh, talk about uh, eVTOLs again and uh, about air mobility. There was an interesting discussion in, in the airspace 2050 again about regional versus urban, you know, yeah, which nice. to be Priority. So uh, we had Lillian uh, there. They were talking, saying, use the infrastructure you've got. Uh, there's airports there. There's, there's, there's heliports. 
use that, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, and they also thought that the urban air mobility is going to be a tougher sell because of safety, certification, yeah. people on the ground looking up and going, oh, where's this going to, it's going to be fall on, fall on our heads. Um, that was contradicted by uh, somebody from the uh, Saudi Arabian uh, CAA who was saying that urban is the, should be the priority because of traffic congestion and the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the opportunity to, to, to kind of reshape urban yeah. you know transport and, and so and any thoughts yeah i think it's really dependent on the place uh, every place has a different priority every place has a different need so if you're you have a city like dubai you have heavy traffic you also have the infrastructure that is conducive to facilitate yeah. operations yeah. then you can see the urban use case being the first adoption in yeah. the city if you're looking at Scotland, the north of Scotland, where you have remote and rural areas, um, then the need is to get far across forest spaces, and you see regional air mobility being a priority because it's dependent on the social need. Yeah, so for me, there isn't, there shouldn't be a competition between urban and rural or regional. It's dependent on the place because the place has a different need, and that's a different market. Yeah. yeah. And any other any other highlights? Well, the, the other thing that was that was, uh, was unveiled to, at the show was Bellwether. That's another uh, 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 flying car. Mm. Um, it looks very sci-fi. Looks like something out of Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> and and I, I talked about Blade Runner and the role of media oh. and pop culture in shaping technologists' design of new air vehicles. Yeah. And thinking how that impacts the public perception and can be a barrier to adoption, oh, public wow. adoption. Oh, yeah. okay. That's what I was talking about last night at the Maurice Flanagan wow. uh, lecture. Wow, so okay. it's, it's an interesting spin. Yes, people might be interested in, you know, this is fun, this is cool to have something that is sci-fi, but think of the narrative that's attached to that sci-fi. Rainy, dystopian cities. Exactly. <laughs> And is that what we want publics to think about when we're talking about advanced mobility? Yeah. It is not. Right. That's a great, that's a great point. Wow, okay. Um, excellent. Right, so um, we're going to move on now and um, we're going to go on to uh, talk to our special guest here. Uh, Chris Khan, who is RES President 2023-2024. What does that entail? How does being in an air show fit into your uh, role as president? Well, my role as president is to further the advancement of aeronautics um, and for me uh, that means making sure that we are spotlighting innovation that would further the advancement of aeronautics. Being here and being able to get the latest updates on what's happening in sustainability, in advanced air mobility, for me that's crucial to my role. Um, I'm here, I'm meeting with our members in this region. That's another responsibility of the president to make sure that you're looking after the needs of members. And we have members and corporate partners here um, in, in the Middle East. We have a branch in the UAE here in Dubai. So we need to, my role as president is to make sure that we stay connected to our international branches. And it's a fantastic opportunity to be on the ground, meeting everyone, understanding what support they need from the society and also making sure that they don't feel removed from our headquarters in London. They shouldn't feel removed from our headquarters. They are part of this community. So for me, I'm building and strengthening that relationship to the overall society. 
And, and you're an engineer, so you've got an engineering background. Um, is, this, is the Royal Air Society just for engineers? Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with engineers. We're good people. <laughs> um, the Royal Aeronautical Society, if you're an engineer, then you have uh, that route to a uh, chartership uh, of, by the Engineering Council. The Royal Aeronautical Society provides support to that. But we are so much more than an engineering institution. In fact, that's what separates us from other PEIs. We are a community for all disciplines. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we're community for all disciplines that's encapsulated by advanced air mobility and all the skills that you need for advanced air mobility and sustainability and the future of aerospace aviation in space. We are the world's oldest um, aeronautical society and we are the world's only um, body, professional body that's dedicated to all disciplines across aerospace aviation in space. You just can't have these in silos and you can't have engineers designing things um, without understanding the other aspects of it, such as the legal implications, um, understanding the social implications. We need to think of the full ecosystem as we move forward. And the society is that community that has membership from the full ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So as, as well as as well as, um, as well as connecting our, our members, we're also facilitating, you said we'd, we'd, we'd put the UEA and the UK Space Agency in, 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 in in contact, we're representing. We've got a, uh, 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 a representation at IARCO as well, helping sort of uh, craft standards. And okay. you were also yeah. in the here or in the UEA recently as part of the World Economic Forum, helping set the global agenda on future mobility. What was that all about? That's right. So I was um, helping to shape the Davos agenda on, um, in particular, on the role of autonomous mobility. So I sit on the Global Future Council of the World Economic Forum. Um, to share my expertise on the future of autonomous mobility. And so um, with, with, we had 30, 30 different councils all meeting here uh, in Dubai to understand what are the top priorities that we need global leaders to pay attention to um, come Davos in January 2024. Okay. It shows the role of the society in shaping global agendas. Again, it, it shows that the influence and the impact that our institution has globally, and that's really important. Wow, okay. And, and you spoke last night, you gave the Sir Morris Flanagan lecture to the UEA branch, so how did that go, and uh, what did you talk about? It was fantastic. So, um, my talk was on pioneering future flight innovation. That reflects, that is my presidential theme for my tenure. The talk was in honor of Sir Maurice Flanagan, who was the founding CEO of Emirates, and he was responsible for turning it into the world-leading international airline. And he was a fellow of the Royal Aeronautical Society. He was invited by the government of Dubai to put Dubai on the map to be a hub for aviation. And he personifies pioneering innovation. So I was humbled to give that lecture, to be invited to be the guest speaker um, and to honor him. And for me, pioneering in a, uh, future flight innovation pays tribute to the legacy of Sir Maurice Flanagan, but also reflects the ambitions of Dubai to accelerate advanced air mobility and support their sustainability goals. For me, um, it's really inspiring to see what's happening here in Dubai. And I think 
it's what I see happening in Dubai, pioneering future flight innovation. So for me, the topic had to be that. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I mean, you are in Dubai in particular, you know, they're, they're embracing the future in terms of flight uh, and innovation, uh, and that's mobility. How, how do they compare in the global race to unlock this? What's your, what's your sense of that? I am so impressed. Right. I am so impressed. Having been at the Farnborough Air Show and seeing what we're doing in the West for advanced air mobility, having been to the Paris Air Show and seeing um, again what's happening in, in Europe with advanced air mobility, and then coming here and seeing how inspiring their plans are. I was really moved. I had a meeting with the GCAA and the Civil Aviation Authorities here and the Road and Transport Authorities um, uh, here in, in Dubai. And the collaboration and the partnership is phenomenal. It is a, an example I think other places can adopt. I was very impressed and very excited um, to see what comes here in Dubai. I think Dubai has, like I said, it's a good environment. They've got an innovative culture. It's a culture of innovation. It's a great space to innovate. You also have infrastructure, it's a growing city. So you're not having to retrofit things. When we're thinking of, we need to build vertiports. You don't need to retrofit vertiport building. You have a great network of helipads that can be converted to vertiports, but you're building the city. And at the same time, you could be, you could already be building vertiports into that. Yeah. So for me, it's a fantastic environment for this region to be one of the first adopters of advanced mobility. Wow, okay, tipping it for the future. Uh, so talking of uh, inspiration, excitement, um, and also getting young people, new people into it, um, you're the second female president, president in society's history. Uh, what's your view on how the aerospace sector in the Middle East is encouraging more women into aeros aerospace and aviation, uh, aerospace aviation space? Yes. Um, Do you see real progress here? Well, yes. Um, and I saw it when I was here last month with the World Economic Forum. Uh, we, again, we were talking about um, the future of autonomous mobility on the air and on the ground. Uh, you saw a strong female presence in that area. And I'm really excited. The reason why I'm staying for the full week of the air show, <laughs> which I never get the chance to, is because tomorrow is going to be a focus on equity, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And it's going to be spotlighting the phenomenal women in the Middle East. We have the first female aircraft engineer. I can't wait to meet her. We see um, a lot of women being spotlighted and I, I love seeing that. So I'm excited to, to see and hear more tomorrow. Brilliant, okay. Um, so um, final question for you now is, uh, this month is the 20th anniversary of the final flight of Concorde, uh, which uh, I understand is an aircraft very close to your heart. It is, um, my favorite. Why, why do you think it's still has enduring appeal two decades on. Why do you think it still appears in posters, you know, in magazines? Everyone knows about it. Everyone, you know, I mean, yep. Everyone has a Concorde story, right? <laughs> so my Concorde story, I'm sure everyone knows by now, is this was the inspiration for me becoming an aeronautical engineer. So whilst I was far away on a tiny island in the Caribbean, this technology, this Concorde, was flying above me and the impact reached me. A young girl on a tiny island in the middle of like almost, you know, where it's a dot on the map, right, to be honest. And so that's, that's the role Concorde played in my life. Every, if you speak to anyone, everyone has a Concorde story. And why I think it has such a lasting legacy is because it was pushing boundaries. It was at the forefront. 
of technological advancements, but also it spotlighted the human, the ingenuity that had, you just had to overcome so many technological barriers. I and mean, I'm sure at the time, regulatory and a lot yeah. more social barriers, perhaps. I think we're now going to be flying people commercially supersonically. And so for me, I think the legacy is because it was at the forefront. It was pushing barriers. It, it was operating at a fine line between what was impossible and what was possible. And I think that is still lasting today. And why I'm so excited about the advanced air mobility field is because we're now doing that again. It's that same spirit of innovation that you need to push things over the line from what's impossible to possible. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that was that was uh, great to talk to you, Chrissa. Um, we're going to go to sort of um, final thoughts then on the show this week. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't here uh, two years ago, so I think it's, uh, I, I, was, I was missing, but it's great to see great to see the show back after, you know, the near-death experience that was COVID yeah. for the global aerospace industry. You, you think of all, all the, 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 the uh, you know, people that weren't connected and, uh, uh, you know, the, the loss of the global connectivity that you, all of a sudden you couldn't travel. And it's not, it, it kind of reminded people, gosh, how much you, you Know, how much we miss flying yeah in a way uh, so it's great to see it's back it's more healthy bouncing back growth is back uh, so I'm, 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 you know, it's been a really exciting week yeah it's it's been really fun um, and I, I just I think even as a journalist as a writer about these things it's so fun because because personally I started in journalism during COVID, so I never got to experience any kind of air show for a couple of years. I had barely even seen like aircraft that I wrote about flying ever because I was stuck in my house. The first one I ever went to was an A380 thing with Qantas in Australia. And so now being able to kind of see things in person and just see the innovation and the passion because it's such a cool industry and people, some people in the world don't even know about it. And it's crazy because it's just such a big industry, especially in the UAE, it was just so fun to see, um, you know, such a different culture and so many different people. So I, I had a great time. For me, this was my first Dubai air show, so it was very exciting to be here and to see what the ambitions are, to see um, what's what's motivating this industry. Yeah. To you know, it's incredible to see what's happening here in this region. I loved meeting or or active membership here in yeah. the Middle East. I loved meeting our corporate partners, existing and new. Um, we have Riyadh, for example, one of our new corporate partners. Wow. How exciting. And nothing beats meeting in person. There's always uh, an energy, just a, I, I don't want to say vibe, but that's what it <laughs> is, isn't it? You can say vibe. Vibe, yeah. There's <laughs> always just inspiring energy, this motivating energy that you can only get when you're embedded and immersed at an air show. And I feel like, you know, when you're bogged down with the with the day job and yeah. all the emails, sometimes you just need to reflect on what was that feeling that I got being there, just inspired by everything that's happening around yeah. me, seeing the aircraft flying, there's you just leaving, you just leave an air show feeling so much more energized and motivated to get back into things and to move things forward. For me, that's huge. I love seeing the focus on sustainability and advanced air mobility and the links that they are creating. It shows us that this is a global agenda. Yeah. It is a priority across regions all around the world. And for me, I love seeing, I love seeing that, those two as a priority here in the Middle East as well. 
Fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, I'd also like to uh, big thanks to our sponsor for this week's uh, uh, Daily Insight blog, AMAC Aerospace, for supporting this news coverage this week. And we will see everybody at the next air show. So the next air show is going to be a big air show for us. It's going to be Singapore in February. We'll yes. see you there. Goodbye from me. Goodbye Bye. from me. Bye, Bella. <laughs> Thank you from the president. <laughs> Thanks Thank for listening. You. Thank you.